Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 581 with Justin Elliott. Because at the end of the day, like I know the drinks are going to be good, but they're not going to get ordered if they don't jump off the page. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at Get bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at revelsystems.com slash Stoppable. Everybody loves payday, am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable. And when you run your first payroll, you'll get your first three months free. Again, that's gusto.com slash unstoppable. And with excitement, allow me to welcome back on the show for a second time, Justin Elliott. Justin, my man, how are you feeling today? Feeling unstoppable? I'm feeling even more unstoppable than usual. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, like I said, this is Justin's second time on the show. The first time he was on the show, that was episode 557. To get his full story, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 557. Today, we're here uh, to dive deep into his knowledge uh, of basically... Uh, cocktails and developing cocktail menus. And that's kind of what you're doing full-time now, right? Yeah, that, um, I'm really lucky to have probably the coolest job um, that I could have ever asked for. I get <laughs> to uh, just travel around Texas and um, you know consult with bars and restaurants and help them uh, and help them put drinks on a page. Yeah. So I did write an intro. Maybe I should just read that. Uh, having worked in some of the best bars in Austin, Elliot has cons- consistently produced forward thinking bar programs that have been recognized by Bon Appetit, Playboy, Texas Monthly, Zagat, Southern Living Magazine, Imbibe, Food Republic, Star Chefs, and many more. This past year, Elliot joined Southern Glazier's Wine and Spirits, where he specializes in helping bars and restaurants develop their cocktail menus. So obviously, this is your land. The last time you were on the show, you started talking about the creative process of developing a cocktail menu. And I said, hey, let's let's dive into that later on. You said, sure. That's what we're here to do today. Yeah. So I can't wait to kind of dive into the specialized skill you have. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Uh, I said it uh, last time. Uh, that's the thing about mantras. Is I think you say them a lot, and uh, ideally they have a lot of uh, meaning to a lot of different phases of your life. Uh, but yeah, fight chaos every day. I mean, that's that's what I tried to do when I was in operations, um, and that's what I tried to do with the uh, creating like really refined uh, cocktail menus, like uh, approaching the creative process with like a you know maybe like an almost academic rigor, right? Yeah, and I, you know I don't know if we broke down this quote in the first interview, but when I think of chaos, I think the restaurant, I think one of the things that is so fun about this industry, uh, hospitality in general is that every day it's kind of chaos. You never know what's going to walk through that door. Yeah. We want our systems, processes, procedures. And if we're doing things right, we should have some mm-hmm. kind of structure, but ultimately we're reacting to, to different challenges every day. And it is kind of chaos. And you got to yeah. try to like herd the cats. Yeah. Every it could day. be, you know, it could be your guests. It could be <laughs> yeah. your staff. It could be your own there's crazy so many, brain. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things that just so many variables that just aren't consistent. Yeah. So I love that idea of just 
fighting chaos every day. So, okay, let's dive into the topic of the day, which is developing uh, cocktail menus, how you do it. But let's kind of learn a little bit more. I don't think we really dove into it too deep before. Uh, what exactly does your life look like at Southern Grazer's Wine and Spirits? Um, yeah, it's uh, every day is, you know, uh, maybe even more a little bit different than it was when I was in operations. I mean, you know, when I was in ops, like, Every day was chaos, but, like, you still knew that, like, 4 o'clock you had to, you know, blow the doors. You know what I mean? And, like, today it's, uh, you know, it's really super task-oriented. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time, like, you know, the kind of pipeline management side of, like, making sure that, like, uh, all the different consulting projects that I'm working on, I can know exactly where they are on them. I'm sending out the proofs uh, to the accounts, you know, in a timely manner and doing the development, doing like the R and D side. Um, I do like some graphic design, uh, side stuff too, but yeah, it's basically, um, you know, you go to a bar restaurant and, you know, the first thing they hand you is a cocktail menu. And, um, a lot of those, you know, they all come from somewhere, right. And they don't all necessarily come from in house. So I kind of bounce around, and I kind of help try to bring spaces to life. I try to find like the core, you know, the core vision of a space that maybe hasn't even been articulated really effectively, you know, in, in the other phases of the business, let alone, you know, historically in their cocktail menu, or maybe it's a brand new opening, but I try to like work with the operators and, and see how I can, um, you know, use their cocktail menu to better tell the story of their space. Yeah. So, or even if like a restaurant's opening, I know our boy Casey's opening yeah. a restaurant. He's working with you. So, if a restaurant's opening, uh, they have decided they're going to be using Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits as a, as a provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they have you on their team to help them not only pick the spirits, but put together the creative process, uh, what the menu is going to look like, what your drinks are going to be. That's kind of where you come in. And this is what you were doing full time, really, as a bar manager yep. at some of the best restaurants in Austin. You're going in and really popping up, you know, making making their 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 uh, cocktails uh, menu and their cocktail game pop. That's yep. kind of your specialty. Exactly. So now you're doing this full time for restaurants across Texas. Yeah, it's just all the fun parts. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> nice. Uh, so... I think we kind of painted the picture that you, you are a specialist. This is what you do. And now we're going to dive into that creative process, how you tackle uh, the cocktail menu development process. I don't even know what to call it. You call it synthesizing all phases of design choices into a quote unquote narrative with special attention to creative development of cocktail menus. That's a mouthful. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I mean, it might help to know that in a past life, I studied writing and directing at the University of <laughs> Texas. It shows, here in Austin. Uh, I fall back on narrative a lot. I, sometimes I'm afraid it, maybe it's a catch-all word, but I think I mean it when I say it, you know, because it is – I'm trying to find ways to tell stories. Not necessarily stories as you would know them, like watching, you know, Netflix or something, but like, to, like trying to get from point A to point B to point C, you know, in uh, an efficient and uh, c- compelling way, right? And so when I talk about – you know, the narrative of a cocktail menu, uh, a lot of that has to do with like the st- the simple mechanics of just like, uh, you know, how it's handed to you, what it looks like, how the words read, how it immediately, like what are the immediately evocative design choices of it, even before you start digging into the kind of imaginative, imaginative side of like trying to figure out which of these drinks that you're just reading a description of or reading like maybe just the ingredients of, or maybe just the names of the drinks trying to imagine like how that's going to taste, right? Like as a, from a guest perspective. And then how does that, when you settle on a drink you want to order, or maybe decide you can get some wine, you know, whatever, like, it, it, this is all part of the process of experiencing the space. Yeah. So when I when I read that statement, for me, it's it's just bringing together all the elements, the the package to communicate to your guests your brand. Yeah. Right. It's, Knowing it's, your brand, yeah, and communicating. It's, yeah. Your brand. It's, exactly. It's 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 kind of it's articulating the you know the core values and the intentionality of of the space of this experiential product that you're offering, which is you know a night out for dinner and night so, out for drinks. So where does it start? What's the first step when you're, again, the, the purpose of this conversation is to take us through your, your mental process of developing a cocktail menu. So yeah. where does that start? It starts with the space. It has to start with the space. Your imagination can run wild. You can f- make all kinds of crazy design choices. Uh, you can staff the place with different types of people, right? You can bring in all manner of different product. You can uh, operate in different, like, you know, kind of cultural or ethnic, like, you know, idioms. But what what you can't really do is like, move that wall if that wall is holding up the roof, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at the core, you have to start with a space. 
and then um, figure out like, you know, and, and that'll keep you grounded, right? Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm looking at the notes that you sent me and the first bullet you have is the, um, the, the vision and then the space. So when you say vision, are you talking about the, the intention of the space, the vision, the, the, the vision you had for, yeah, I mean, I guess, space? I guess I'm assuming that, um, you know, there was some intentionality of the, the choice of the space, you know, you're, you're not going to get like some giant open air, like farmhouse style property <laughs> yeah. if and then like try to like operate like a technical classical French fine dining, you know, bistro out of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, you're going to find like when you're setting out to open a bar, or open a restaurant. So I'm kind of assuming that that's already taken care yeah, of. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you know, you know, if you're opening a French place, yeah, you know, if you're opening exactly. a cocktail bar, you know. So like really before you start doing any of this stuff, you should, and I should do deep dives, something I want to do that's on the horizon into the importance of a vision, the importance of a mission statement, the importance of core values, because sure. that's where everything starts. You, you take the time to identify your brand, who you are, what you're trying to sure. communicate. And that's where everything, all decisions are yeah. based off of that. So yep. we're kind of basically saying that that's already been determined. Uh, the next step is, okay, so you've created this physical space based off of the vision, the mission, mm. and all these things you're trying to do. That's where you start uh, with the drink menu. Is right. It, okay. Is that what I'm hearing correctly? Uh, yeah, yes, more or less. Okay. Um, you know, what I talk about. Don't let me put words yeah, into yeah, your yeah, mouth sure. either. <laughs> when, when, when we have the physical space, um, you know, I, I'm kind of imagining it before we've, we have a sense of like where the guests are going to go in this space. You know, we have a sense of hopefully like the, some of the, the, the basic physical mechanics of like how a service would be conducted. I'm assuming we're al- aligned at this point, right? We, yeah. Um, uh, we're, we're in our space. We have our general design vision, whatever it is. We, I kind of describe it as like there's the, the, the grounding place, this, uh, the, the, the physical space, right? And then, you know, and that's like a kind of a central dot. And then around that is like a, like a, you know, like a bicycle wheel, right? Yep. And you have these spokes that come off of this, this grounding place and this big circle around that. That's like your general design vision. That's everything's going to fall inside of that. And so each of these spokes are kind of, you know, the, you know, they're the choices you're going to make. They're the, the tools you're going to use to move uh, people's experience throughout your space, right? So it's the cocktail menu. It's the food menu. It's the uniforms for the servers, and it's also the service style. Like, Sounds like these are all the choices that you're going to make. The different variables that will play on the brand, right? The, right? All the things that are communicating who you are and what you do. Right. Okay, keep going. Each of those is kind of like a macro you know, spoke, right? Like each of those is like a big choice. And within each of those, of course, there's Many uh, an endless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to turn it like some kind of freaky we could fractal go for or whatever, but basically everything that's in your restaurant is a com- communicating your brain. Yeah, every one of these things is a signifier. There's yeah. a, you know, understanding the semiotics of what you're doing, understanding like, like how you plan to use these different signifiers, um, how you're, you can ideally even uh, foolproof, these choices and like communicate the most effectively to your guests. Like that's, that's what we're trying to do here. I always wanted to be a generalist, but I mean, it turns out that, you know, my lane is very much the cocktail development side. Um, and so that's, I think I can, you know, use that as like an object lesson, you know, looking at the, the way that you kind of tackle the design of uh, a cocktail menu for how you can foolproof all of the other, kind of spokes on that wheel too. Got you. So just to summarize up to this point, we're starting with the vision, the grand scheme, and then we're using brand imagery, basically everything that is in your restaurant that communicates your brand to influence what you're going to put on the drink menu. Yes, exactly. And also uh, there should be like, you know, constant referential points between all of these other things too. It's not like all of these choices exist at the same time. Okay. You know, time is a flat circle. So you're going to put something in your restaurant intentionally to tie it to your cocktail list. Uh, Yeah. Or or, or vice 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 versa. versa. You know, everything has to exist uh, at once. Um, You know, this is we're we're kind of, we're kind of, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're, we're we're creating like a network of signifiers that all, um, you know, hold together that vision. Uh, there, you know, I think there's um, a desire. I have it anyway, and I and I and I believe that like a lot of people really do have it. Uh, there's a desire to kind of be transported. Um, you know, when you go out, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, when you go out to an Italian place, do you feel like you need to be, you know, transported to some kind of like truly uber authentic version of Italy, but like, an, you know, someone's coherent concept of 
Italy, maybe. Um, even even if even if it's artifice, like if it's uh, coherent and cohesive, um, I think it scratches that itch, right? Like we gotcha. want to see when we go out to other people's spaces, you know, because I keep using the word space, but I mean that's what it is. Like we, when we go out to a bar or restaurant, it's not someone else's home, but it kind of functions the same way. Like you're going, you know, into something that has its own uh, internal logic, ideally. Yeah. Um, and then you exist in there. Yeah. You move around in there. Like you just, it's its a purely experiential. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is just intentionality, right? Sure. Everything that you're doing with the menu and the physical space is intentional to influence. It's the subtle things that you come into a space and it, it just, it's happening to you, but, but you didn't realize it was happening to you intentionally. Right. Uh, and, and for a lot of people that is next level shit, but for you, I mean, you've intentionally surrounded yourself with the best restaurant and cocktail scenes in Austin. So this is, this is standard for you. Everything's relative, right? For you, this is standard, but for a lot of people out there, they don't think to this level. Mm -hmm. And then what we're trying to do is to help you to bring you to that next level. So I think we identify, you need the vision and you need to tie everything together Mm -hmm. and have them coexist side by side. Right? Like, yeah. And I would say, um, you know, when we talk about existing side by side, I think that's a really important point because, um, just because the co- just because cocktails are like my lane, and obviously they're a revenue source or yeah. whatever, um, but I don't think they're necessarily more important than a lot of other really mundane, um, seemingly mundane design choices. Um, you know, the uh, I always joke about the wallpaper in the bathroom, but like <laughs> the wallpaper in the bathroom matters. You know, the playlist that the the establishment is playing really really matters, and I don't think they're just because you know there's not a lot of like blogs and. You know, you don't get like an Eater Award or a Culture Map Award for like having like the best, dopest playlist or, or like the best, best wallpaper in the bathroom. In the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like those things, those things working in concert with everything else are more important than any one, you know, pillar. Got you. Uh, I think we've driven that home. I think yeah. we've communicated it. I think the, the next thing we need to discuss on your list that you shared with me was uh, who's going to be in your space. Have we dove into why you got to think about the people that are going to be in your space. I don't think we have. Uh, not, not really. I mean, I think that's kind of. I, I hope that that's. No I hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I hope that anyone out there is thinking of opening an establishment is thinking of their guests first. Um, although I don't know that I believe that that's true. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people. I do think that there's a lot of people out there that get into um, uh, investing and in owning places out of some sense of. Um, creating what e- they want e- ego yeah, yeah creating what they want and and it's tough because you have to be you do have to be true to yourself but you can't create a space for yourself and like walking that fine line is is definitely tough and you know i mean i've i think any anyone who's had any success with it probably struggled at some point yeah to get it right too but by that bullet of uh who's going to be in your space. Basically you're saying, think about your target market. Yeah. Like, are these, are these drinks that I'm going to create? Is it going to resonate with yeah. them? And, 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 you know, point one, a to that is how do you want them to experience the space too? It's not just, a, it's not just establishing a target demo, right? It's um, what is this community? How am I serving this community? And when I bring them into, into this space, into, you know, my home, uh, how will I lead them around? How will I make sure, that, you know, they're comfortable while also effectively taking as much money as I can possibly convince them to give me. <laughs> Got you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you've got to compete with the big guys, but how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto, that's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash unstoppable. So anything else we need to consider when talking about thinking with the end in mind, the guests working back, or is it safe to, move, to keep the conversation I think we can keep it rolling. Forward? All right. Take it. Take it to the next bullet. Um, well, let's, I mean, we can drill down on signifiers a little bit. Uh, when I talk about signifiers, I mean, 
you know, these are, these are, uh, intentional points, ideally intentional points, um, uh, where you're trying to, you know, tell the different parts of your story, right? Kind of touch on this a little bit, you know, the signifiers are the playlist, the wallpaper, the spokes on the wheel, right? That works on the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then trying to make sure you identify everything that could possibly transmit information to your guests, right? Anything that the guests can see or touch. Okay. So give me an example of one uh, signifier that gets overlooked that you would like to just hang on to and leverage uh, to communicate or to highlight a drink. Working in kind of like culinary, culinary and ethnic kind of nexus uh, places is something that we don't necessarily do great. I think just as a society, um, be, as a cocktail culture, because cocktail culture isn't really historically found outside of, um, you know, uh, America, a couple chunks of, you know, Western Europe and like Cuba really kind of like, you know, and then it's obviously it's, you know, I mean the cocktail, like cocktail, what we know of as cocktail culture, it's like barely a hundred years old. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You know, in terms of like it reaching out, you know, across the globe. Right. So, um, you know, when you see people, and I'm not saying that like a Japanese restaurant shouldn't, because I mean, obviously Japanese cocktail culture has developed a lot, you know, in the hundred years, but Japanese cuisine and its intersection with, um, cocktail culture are kind of like weirdly distinct. Right. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, with a, with a lot of, with a lot of cuisines, right. Uh, there's no, there's like, uh, even like German cuisine and there's no, there's not like a history of like great German cocktails. Yeah. There's right? been this vertical of German cuisine that has risen, but at the same time, the cocktail scene hasn't risen Side by side, you right. know, it, it's it's catching up. So, is, am I communicating that correctly? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I, but I, specifically, what I'm talking about is like, uh, you know, if you open, but like, but now if you opened a German restaurant in Austin, Texas, you would have to have a cocktail program. <laughs> yeah. and like, what does that cocktail program look like when, like, the, you know, what is thought of as, uh, you know, German cocktail culture um, is just very much based on you know, historical American cocktail culture as it was exported to Germany, you know, when all the American bartenders left during prohibition. Right. Okay. So, um, the, the the, like there's, you don't, and and this is where we kind of get into the weeds on it a little bit because (laughs) we're, because we get back to that point that I'm trying to make about the transportative quality of going into a bar that has, you know, a, a coherent vision and internal logic, right? When people don't know about what actual German cocktail culture might look like, which would be remarkably similar to most Western European or well, I was going to say, American is there cocktail. even like a, a German there cocktail is. culture? There is. There were a bunch of, you know, American bartenders that went over to the great hotels of Western Europe during Prohibition, and basically they made drinks that kind of all looked the same all over everywhere um, because they all came from the same place, right? Yeah. So... And the, the the there's not a ton of intersection between that and uh, traditional German food ways is kind of the point that I'm making, right? Same thing with like ja- like Japanese cocktail culture. I mean, there there are some places, but really like Japanese cocktail culture, you know, revolves around like whiskey highballs. You look at traditional Japanese food ways, and you assume that like Japanese cocktails are necessarily going to be uh, sake is what comes to mind, yeah, mind. or like <laughs> like shiso leaves, yeah, and, like you know uh, you know plums and all you know cherry blossoms and. You know, there are people that that do operate uh, in that style, but it's not um, uh, it's not the most typical of of the style, right? Um, you know, we could get into the nuts and bolts of of why, but I, th- I think we've kind of already touched on that, right? Because cocktail culture is a recent American phenomenon. Like when you look at like you know the true scope of history, I mean. Yeah, we're, t- we're talking about something that's just not that old. Exactly, it hasn't had the time to develop. Yeah, and it hasn't developed, and it, and you know, and where it developed, it developed as, you know, kind of a novelty and like, and not necessarily completely tied to the food ways of you know the cultures where it landed. Gotcha. We don't necessarily know that as consumers here. Like, we want to be transported. You know, even though like you would probably not go to 
you know, any like random German restaurant in Germany and see uh Jägermeister cocktail on the menus of kind of swanky, you know, uh, you know, thoughtful modernist Jägermeister cocktail. And I'm sure you'll see it in some places, but it's not like uh, endemic of their foodways, right? Um, but here, if we're going to transport people to this like kind of imagined place, I, like I feel like you do have to uh, find opportunities, to, like um, do things that might not be true but feel true, to that might not be authentic, but like maybe that's okay as long as it's assisting in transporting the guest in that kind of emotional way. Okay, I'm going to try to summarize. Um, basically, what you're saying is you've got to look to that country, that, that to that culture of whatever it is, if it is a German bar that you're doing, or whatever the, the homeland might be, whether that's a country or uh, a theme or whatever, and pull things from that, from that country or that theme to serve as a signifier. Yeah, and I think it's important to do it in a way that's respectful but it's also what i think the the point that i'm really trying to key on is uh you don't and maybe even shouldn't look at doing it in the most authentic way um because you're probably not going to get it right anyway okay (laughs) (laughs) i think too if if you try to make it too subtle it's just going to fly under the radar and you want it to be kind of forward thinking you want to be noticed so you can well if you're if you're trying to shoehorn something that's not um authentic truly authentic you know i.e unless cock- if, if it's truly authentic you don't even menu. know what's happening right it's yeah. just an extension yeah, I mean, of what you if, are if we're, lo- if we're you know if we're, if we're trying to insert a cocktail menu into a into into something that wouldn't really have a cocktail menu then um it's okay to take some liberties with what that cocktail menu looks like as long as it's completely coherent um with all the other things that you're trying to do. Yeah. So you shot me some bullets, uh, possibilities with respect to menu design, with respect to menu concept, with respect to cocktail offerings. Uh, we haven't really dove into any of those yet. Have we? Uh, no, eh, not, not too much. No. Um, so I think when I look at this, these lists, these are, these are all signifiers, all these mm-hmm. things that you're giving yeah. us, things to consider. Do you, yeah. So why don't you just start going down that list and, and just giving quick little examples of the things we need to consider and maybe breaking it down a little bit and just kind of do your thing. You know, like with, a, with an actual cocktail menu itself, like before, you know, I think I touched on this a little bit. Before you start thinking about what you're going to order, um, you know, before you have a chance to like read and kind of get into that like imaginative process where you start thinking like, what what which of these sounds like it will taste good to me you're looking at you're just handed typically like a piece of paper or some kind of book or um and 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 that's something that there's a tactile component to that uh and frequently it requires you know manipulation right so like how does what is the size of it how does that the size of that work on the table like there's questions of you know the size of it as far as like a signifier like looking at like cultural touchstones like you know the classic like oversized like french bistro menu like a more like modernist maybe like landscape oriented cocktail menu right and then looking at literally how it reads like what is the what is the actual you know what what are the design choices like the typeface like how, punctuation style yeah, copy all of that stuff punctuation style like, yeah simple it's something i give a lot of thought to because i you know in in my current role i do a lot of menu mock-ups because at the end of the day like i know the drinks are going to be good but they're not going to get ordered if they don't jump off the page so finding ways to make sure that that a drink looks like something compelling to order is probably as important as it tasting good when it comes out i mean you want it obviously i I am concerned that it's going to taste good but i'm more concerned that somebody gets it to begin with because then it doesn't really matter you know it wouldn't even matter if it did taste good if they didn't order it and then you know obviously you want it to be true to the description too when it comes out right you want to deliver on what it promises so give me an example of something that would jump off the page a lot of times you'll see these these menus that have you know these uh these drinks that they're, they're trying to offer a lot they're trying to uh, excite people by like showing off like how like wildly creative they are with like, you know, these like kind of compound syrups, multi-ingredient, multi-ingredient ingredients. Right. But a, you don't necessarily, I mean, when you look, when you look at a, a dish on a food menu, right. Um, typically it's not going to list every single ingredient. Yeah. People aren't going out to you know, read. They're going out to drink. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, when you look at like a, you know, braised short rib dish, like typically the chef's not going to list like carrot, celery and onion 
you know, in the in, in the yeah. description, right? It's just like there's stuff in there that you're just like gonna like they're not gonna break down the yeah. ingredients of the sauce they yeah, use. They're exactly. just gonna tell you what kind of sauce. And, it is. and so, and I think so. I think it's like it's okay that you know behind the bar, like menu descriptions, like you don't have to necessarily list everything because just by listing everything, by listing every single ingredient, you think that you're impressing you, people. Yeah, and, and like you know how they work together, but like me coming in cold. And reading that list of like all of those ingredients, um, it's gonna go it conf- might not make sense or confuse to me. somebody yeah, exactly, or, or turn them away from it because they're like, ah, uh, that sounds too- yeah, it sounds like too much. Yeah. It sounds like so basically, it like, like I, or like literally like, the thing that I look at, I'll look at cocktail list and I'll look at a drink and I'll be like, I literally don't know what that would taste like. Yeah, like I see a bunch of ingredients, but I still don't know how it would work. Like, how does it drink? I try to generally include brand names. I always have even before I was on distributor side, where it's obviously it's important to us. But I mean, I want people to know the the products we're working with because the same way that we take pride of telling people like what farm our steak came from, right? Assuming it's a farm to be proud. Yeah, you of, want right? you want people to know where the bitters came yeah, from. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is the bitters thing. Like, who do the guests do they care? Do guests care? Like, well, they don't want to know what the breakdown of the bitter yeah. is, but they yeah. might be interested like, in knowing. Yeah, so like, a- so like, what's like the the main profile of that bitter? Does that bitter matter? Like, is the bitter something even say, noticeable? Say something like, for example, there's you're collaborating with uh, somebody who specializes in uh, mixing their own bitters, sure. and they have a local business, and they're selling their their bitters to local bars. I feel like in that example, yeah. you would want to put it because you you would want to know that. You're supporting local business. That's yeah. Things- if we think that that information will be meaningful to enough people, um, but then are we adding two or three extra words to the menu copy when okay. people are trying to scan it? I think you said something that's really important. Is it drinkable? Mm. Um, and that's what you that's what you want to communicate. You want to make it palatable. You right. want to make people like think to themselves, "I want that in my mouth." Yeah. Like, and and you do that by being descriptive but in a way that's going to tell you what is going into your mouth not sure. that's going to show off the knowledge and like the work that went into that drink yeah people don't and it's drink so, it's knowledge so, it's, yeah it's something as simple as like for me like i very rarely include the word syrup you know when i mean when talking about like uh like the syrups are just like syrup is just the delivery vehicle for getting like the flavor of whatever is flavoring that syrup into the drink right like we don't need to know that like you know, sucrose is the like flavor fixative for the blueberries. You know what I mean? Like just say blueberry. It's yeah. fine. So just to kind of zoom back up, we were kind of real low, a couple, mm. a couple hundred feet. We're going back up <laughs> to 30,000 feet. Now we're cruising altitude. Uh, we've covered the importance of vision, starting with the vision, what the brand is, what the people, uh, and now we're going down to, or in just like all the little signifiers, the, everything that's in your mm. restaurants and is working in conjunction to influence your guests uh, to tie things together. Now we're talking about uh, the the menu itself, the paper you're using, the typeface, the pronunciation, the the copy. Uh, we didn't really dive into um, like the actual menu, the material itself, uh, and I think that's really important. Like when you pick up a menu, if it has some weight to it, if it has like nice paper, like all that stuff is mm-hmm. communicating. Do you want to dive like the, a little bi- bit more the, into bi- Yeah, the binding technique, the, the 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 you know, we talked a little bit about the size of it, but I mean. Also think about, you know, what are the size of the tables that your guests are sitting at? You know, you, what happens when they put the menu down? Like, where does it go? Mm-hmm. Obviously that plays into like, you know, points of service too. Make sure, you know, you pull menus off tables, whatever, you know, your service model tells you you should be pulling menus off tables or whatever, but, um, or there might be a little holster that yeah. the drink menus yeah. there and they see it sure. and like, that's the, where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but, but, you know, making those choices because they're going to, impact other choices um if you uh if you have a giant cocktail menu and your service model uh has your servers you know wanting to leave the drinks menu with the guests throughout their experience um you know you kind of put you you can be putting yourself in a little bit of a pickle that way because then you know a your menu is probably getting trashed because it's sitting on a table, condensation, and people yeah. sloshing things around. But also it's just like a cumbersome, obnoxious thing to just be sitting out the whole time. Um, so, like you know, that again, we come back to like intentionality and, you know, kind of thinking through like how do we get from A to B to C? How do we move our guests throughout this experience in a, in a um, compelling and efficient, you know, and hospitality-focused way? Yeah. I think one other thing that's kind of a no-brainer, but I think it's – 
it's worth mentioning is you mentioned it real quickly. Like your, your menu is going to get trashed. We mm-hmm. leave it on the table. So being conscious of the, the, the condition of our menus, I yeah, think that's, that's one thing that people just let go, uh, yeah just they let they let it go yeah it's, uh, and then you know and it's tough because i hate to say it but like there's something's always going to get overlooked like the, everything gets prioritized in some way um the goal is to just try to even the lowest priority thing does get done right but uh yeah i mean menu's one of those things that like people grab it a server grabs it throw it back on the host stand it goes the host to the waste throws it into yeah. the into the pile and they assume that they'll catch the 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 go through and wipe them in a second and then like they get a little bit busy and it just doesn't get wiped I yeah mean, i go to really nice places and get dirty menus yeah it happens know? especially in the in the, the like the the middle of it all. Like yeah. If a, oh, yeah. If a menu gets eight, dirty, if you sit down tables, at eight thirty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna happen. Like you can't catch them all, uh, but just be mindful of it, right? Yeah. So let's move to the next bullet uh, res- regarding menu concepts. Uh-huh. What do you mean by that? So we, we talked about the physical uh, appearance of the menu, sure. the type, uh, the, the the copy, the context. Now we're talking about uh, menu concept. Yeah. What do you mean by menu concept? So um, you know, this is like the kind of where we get into like the the heart of the beast as far as uh you know animating like what our vision is right as an establishment um and this is where we decide you know if we're going to play you know in kind of like traditional you know cultural ethnic you know idioms or if we're going to uh you know if we're you know that hilarious catch all like new American or whatever, which just means you can kind of do whatever you want and grab things from <laughs> literally every culture. But even when doing that, you know, there's still things you need to do to make sure that, you know, you're telling the story of, of, of what the space is like, this is where we get into like, how are we telling the story of the space? What, you know, it can be, um, you know, how do we handle seasonality of ingredients and what does that mean? And what does that mean? You know, um, in terms of the actual seasons in, you know, I mean, I see, you know, in Texas, everyone wants to put out their fall menu, and you know, and everyone's using like, I've done it before too. I'm gonna be honest. Also, like everyone, you know, it's like um, we use all these like fall flavors. They're all fall flavors from like New England. We're still in yeah. Texas, you know. Te- <laughs> that's everyone like, breaks out the we pumpkin. We got like tomatoes coming out again. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you, like while you're describing that, I was like, are there seasons in Texas? I mean, there are, but not like I'm from New Hampshire, where mm-hmm. like you you're governed by the seasons yeah. <laughs> like they exactly. control your life. Exactly. It's not like that down here. No, it's, it's really not. So what you're saying is really be mindful. Don't, don't like play off the season. Is it authentic it, to yeah, where it, your, your geographic is? Yeah. Or if it's not authentic, like let's, you know, make sure that you're foolproofing the intentionality of it not being authentic. Right. Like it's okay to put a margarita on a menu in a Japanese restaurant, as long as, you know, you've done something to it, you've manipulated, you know, the, the traditional margarita in some way. Yeah. It like makes it seem like it belongs there. Right. Yeah. Like you can use maple syrup in a cocktail in Texas. It's fine. Like you absolutely can, you yeah. know, but like, um, it's like, you know, even at like a, you know, hyper local, hyper seasonal establishment. Right. Um, as long as you, uh, attack it in a, you know, in a way that, that, that shows that intentionality and stays, you know, in, in its way consistent with, the rest of what you're doing. Got you. Okay. Let's move the conversation. Yeah, forward. Sure. What's the next uh, point you want to make? Um, well, I mean, there's the, uh, it, it winds up being a kind of moving us into the kind of the technical side. Well, actually, uh, nice maybe transition. this is a good like, spot. Go, like from like deciding, you know, are you going with a culinary in or like avant-garde, uh, approach to these cocktails or are you know, like working more like, you know, a classical modality. Yeah. So break that down. We'll get through that and then we'll take a break to, to thank our sponsors. Absolutely. But I think maybe that's a good spot to after that. To, yeah. To well, break. I mean, it's, that is, I mean, it's another choice you have to make and it goes down to, you know, the types of the, the, the framing of the, the cocktails on the menu. I mean, are you going to have, are you going to offer an old fashioned, a Manhattan, a daiquiri, a Tom Collins, or are you going to be, you know, serving things in, in, in vapors and fluid gels and, uh, you know, doing a bunch of like, uh, you know, high minded, um, you know, m- like modernist technique. Right. And that's, and that's, and that's where you start having to make even more of those, like really like a micro technical decisions, man. It almost seems overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. Is is it normal that I feel this way right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. <laughs> so we're going to keep in mind, we're, we're tapping into the mind of somebody like this is their life. Right. Yeah. And this is, he pays attention. He's been doing it long enough into the, the 
level where like all these little things is where you start to pull apart. And if you're going to be a competitive cocktail program, like you need to think about the details and will every restaurant go to these extremes? Should every restaurant go to these extremes? Do you think in your opinion? Um, yes. Okay. I don't think that every restaurant needs to go through, um, the extremes quite as rigorously as I'm describing them, but at um, least be open. minded But I think that it's, it, it is essential that, um, you know, in every decision that you make, you're presented with a choice and like recognizing that and knowing that you haven't, you can do something in every moment, uh, I think is really important. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel, and I can tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grand Junction Subs in the Craft Cave, to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable. Nice. So if there's just one thing that you love, the most about Revel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. This probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurant tours, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant's hospitality hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to dive into uh, drilling down the technical aspects now regarding basically you you use these words sometimes. I don't even know how if I'm communicating it well enough what do you mean by that the, the drilling out the technical because i feel like we've been pretty technical up to this point yeah so I, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean kind of we've been technical on like process i guess i'm talking about like actual at this point like talking about the actual technique um you know of the uh, production side of making the drink gotcha like the, the, the tactile side gotcha the, gotcha um you know like what are the bottles that are literally sitting on the back bar like how, okay. do you, how do you curate you know how do you curate that list like what are the the, the, the bottles of particular spirits and liqueurs that are used um you know there's another place where you can you know obviously like spend a lot of time getting the weeds on um you know using uh you know spirits and um you know ingredients from you know, from the, the the food ways, you know, the touchstones, you know, whatever um, you're trying to present in, in the other phases of uh, of the space, um, uh, you know, and it's also, you know, and it can be kind of a little bit perilous, uh, but it can also be like really rewarding, um, you know, when you uh, are going through and trying to, you know, you have like a certain flavor vision in mind for a cocktail, right? Um, and you know it'll work. Cause it'll be good, but will it work with the space? Like, will it work, you know, and I, I, I kind of keep coming back to like, like looking at like you know, using certain like kind of like ethnic cuisines, um, you know, as, so as a reference Japanese point, or German, which yeah, one? <laughs> be, because, you know, and because I think it's easier for people to kind of wrap their, no, their, their minds sure. around like how you make these little kind of like tiny distinctions. Um, but it doesn't have to be, you know, ethnic. It can also just be like looking at, 
cultural. Di- different, well, you know, different points and like different historical touchstones in just like, um, you know, American dining, you know, Fi- finding, finding those liqueurs, like you don't, you know, like I said with the, the, the margarita and the Japanese menu, right? Like I would say, you know, possibly use instead of like triple sec, maybe, you, you know, like a French triple sec, maybe you use, you know, like a Japanese yuzu liqueur, like uh, like yuzuri, which is something in our book. There's a plug for you. Um, <laughs> like like fi- finding those opportunities, right? Like you don't want to see, and, th- and this is, you know, this is what we're getting the real minutiae of it. You don't want to see, despite yellow chartreuse being one of my favorite things in the whole world, you know, you're at Say a, that one more time. Yellow chartreuse. Okay. You know, it's just like a, this French, you know, herbal liqueur. You don't want to see that on a menu in a Jap- in a in a in a in a in an Italian restaurant when you can be using, you know, Strega, which is an Italian liqueur with like a really similar profile, but you know, that tells the story that much better and the drink will largely drink the same, you know. So you're you're talking about sourcing liqueurs and spirits from a region that is coincides with the the authentic or the uh, yeah, sure. of the food that you're serving. Sure, or you know, if you have some kind of, you know, like l- mid-century, you know, late mid-century vibes going on, and like design choices in your space, uh, using you know, spirits like the, from the, that, that yeah, era. Then, then like maybe there's some Galliano, okay. you know, like maybe there's like these, you know, these um, these spirits that are like kind of like reference point, you know, they can be, they're kind of reference points, so like cocktails that were popular during that particular era right yeah. and i think it's uh, it's kind of a side note as we're saying these things like when you put this much effort into developing a menu make sure you're educating your staff on why sure because you, we mentioned earlier we're not going to put into the context of the menu all the thought process that mm-hmm. goes into this but you want your staff to know the thought process yeah. that goes into this so when your guest asks oh like what is then you can have an educational moment where you're really showing the thought that goes into everything that you do yeah absolutely right uh maybe that's a little bit of a caveat but i feel like it's worth it's, it garners worth you know, going into like yeah. these are all selling points right um what else do we need to be considering as far as the yeah uh, there's the, there's the some yeah there's some signifier like even like the the choice you know nowadays it's a it's a choice you get to make you didn't get to you know even 10 years ago hardly but like do you use like little tiny boutique brands or using major brands you know um these are uh these this is a a decision that like obviously there's you know a kind of a you know you think it's just a brand but it's conveying other information too up to and including like if you're using more major brands like you're probably going to be putting a certain type of clientele at ease a little bit more you know where um you know less the less savvy consumers the guys that aren't spending all their time you know reading you know researching different types yeah, of spirits yeah, that exactly. are like local or whatever yeah exactly uh, and uh, you know so that's like a point of hospitality but it's also like a very like technical practice right and how you curate that what you put on the menu uh you know and then like your styles of ice you know i mean i think that if you have any less than three different styles of ice you're probably shorten your guests some ice really? <laughs> i feel like most people just have their ice well and they're just scooping from that and yeah. throwing in drinks but you're saying you should have at least three different styles of ice yeah i mean it's something i always say when i'm doing trainings like um you know ice to a bartender is like fire to a cook right like that's what we use to temper mm-hmm. everything that you know comes across the the bar um and you know if you're only using like they only have like they only have cubes. It would be like running a kitchen where all you have is a grill. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, like you need like a large format cube or you need like some crushed ice. You know, there's like they these things work differently. They temper drinks differently. I think uh, they dissolve faster. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, like, it's worth considering. Uh, anything else regarding the you, you also mentioned uh, the condition, the style of glass, the glass. What do you mean yeah. by condition of the glass? Oh, the condition of the, the garnishes. Yeah. Okay. Like the style of glasses, the, the, the style and condition of, of garnishes. Um, like the, um, you know, when I say, I mean like with like garnishes, like you can get really, you know, I don't want to, I don't ever really want to give people permission to use two day old limes. But if you, for some reason, do feel like you have to always cut more limes than you're using in a given day. Like it is worth noting that your guests do notice that. And it does contribute to like their perception of, 
the 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 identity and the, and the values of your space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is my my that's just my own little thing. No, <laughs> man, I dig it. I dig. It. I mean, I think like, and I think when you when that, we have a whole other conversation, I guess, I guess I guess that speaks to like the intentionality, or or you know the. Um, you know, the importance of having intentionality about everything because you might not think that you're telling a story. You might not think you're contributing to the narrative by, you know, your bartenders using slightly past their prime limes, but um, you are telling. That that does transmit information to you. Literally guests. everything that you do is communicating mm-hmm. something. Uh, you're in your body language and in this, the, how much you care, all that comes out in what you do. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like we could have a whole nother conversation around uh, garnishes and the things you could do with oh, garnishes, and especially with like glassware, like all these things. Mm-hmm. That, there's so much, so many different verticals there. Yeah. But I think what we need to say is just, just be mindful of the, the, if there is an opportunity to take a tent, to, to take advantage of the attention to detail that somebody else has yeah. created around the glassware you're using, the, the appropriate garnishes, then then really factor that stuff in because it, it talks about yeah. how serious Everything comes from somewhere. So if you bring it into your space, you are telling its history to your guests in a way too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know like a lot of people that are listening to this right now um, with the, the state of the industry, with the, the people that – like is it realistic to be able to train – all these details into all of your staff. Is it going to be hard? Hell yeah. <laughs> like really hard, but it is possible. Yeah. I mean, I, like, so, you know, I'm a freak show, I guess. And like, I, I want, I want to study <laughs> the histories of these things. I, you know, I am fascinated by, you know, different food ways from around the world. I'm, you know, um, and even, even when I'm like, you know, being inauthentic about like how I like repurpose ingredients from these different, you know, these different food ways to, to try to still transport a guest to that unimagined version of that, that place, you know, um, like, like I, I do spend a lot of time trying to know the histories of all these things, like knowing what different styles of a piece of glassware, like, you know, you say a Collins glass, I mean, it can have, you know, it can look, you know, 10 different ways and signify 10 different, you know, periods in American you know, history or what, you know, dining cultural history. Right. Um, it's not important that you know, every single one of those things off the top of your head. It is important that when it comes time to pick out your glassware, you know, that you remember that I will be saying something with it. Yeah. How deep you want to go there. I mean, obviously that's up to you, but like, <laughs> but, but if you do remember that you are going to be saying something, you know, even when you're not, necessarily trying to yeah like it's it, that that's still information that's going to be transmitted and to come full circle we started this conversation with what's your vision what's your mission what is it what, are you, what is it that you who are the people you're going to be serving and i think th- that will determine how much detail you go into sure. right it, it could yeah you know if but i mean look at you know you look at like uh you know our friend travis tober over at nickel city good point you know he's um just a very some- willfully made a, an incredibly detailed curated vibe that looks like a dive bar. Uh, yeah. That looks like <laughs> nothing was curated. Yeah. Right. Like it's all meant to be like, um, feel incredibly casual and, and just kind of like tossed off. But I mean, you know, you talk to him, like not, not every, every single thing is purposeful in there. Exactly. Like you walk into that space and he wants you to feel like you're in a dive bar from Detroit, from where he's mm-hmm. from. It's like, he's literally recreating that vibe, but he's bringing you into that comfortable space. And then he's showing you, uh, at the bar itself, like the, the, the attention, the detail, the, the, every little thing that we're talking about mm-hmm. today, that, like, that bar is a perfect example of that. So you're kind of like, you're kind of getting blindsided by it because you th- you're mm-hmm. thinking like, oh, like I can hi- – you can, I think, order a highlight there if you wanted oh, to. Sure. But at the same time, like you can get like the – to the, whatever drink that you want like to like the – to the standard. Yeah. You know? Um, you could probably explain that better than I could. Did I do it to okay I, think, job? I mean I think that – yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, but anyway, uh, I mean I think we've gotten we've gotten through everything. You want to mention the mixtape thing one more time. That's, that's yeah. your analogy. Yeah, it was um it was actually I mean it was it's actually an exercise uh that that we used to do uh at Key uh with cocktail menu development when we were 
changing over like a full seasonal menu. Um, you know, it's just a in show notes that you can link to the essay that I wrote that's up on, okay. on, on a, the collective 1806 website. Um, but it, it basically, it, it's a, it's a process that I find really useful. Um, when you're trying to create something kind of a little bit from scratch, but making sure that, uh, you know, the, the boxes are getting checked in terms of, uh, you know, like flow from one drink to another. This, this works particularly well for like small cocktail menus, but basically you put together like a five or six song, uh, mixtape and you assign certain values to each of these songs. And then, uh, you kind of, have this map of these values then you use those values and kind of transcribe them into um values you ascribe to cocktails and you can kind of wind up creating give me an example of what you mean by value uh basically i mean even as simple as like loud quiet you know hot cold uh in terms of flavor not descriptors yeah exactly um you know, the, the, the flow of a good mixtape, right? Like, everything's not going to just be, like, the same intensity, right? And so finding, making sure that, like, the main kind of points of intensity, you know, a five-song mixtape, you're going to have, like, chill vibes over here, this song's going to rock out, whatever. And if it's, you know, and if it's a good mixtape, it's going to, you know, it's going to have that narrative, right? When you listen to it start to finish, it's going to have a narrative. And then you assign those kind of narratives of, you know, that, that, the, the narrative flow to like a six song uh, cocktail list gotcha. and like you wind up with like a, like a really compelling uh, self referential, you know, internally logical, you know, piece. Yeah. So, I mean, really what I'm hearing from you is just creating the habit to put thought into the things you're mm-hmm. doing. Um, and there's, and there's a lot of different exercises to yeah. do that. I mean, you can put together like a literal checklist and just make sure, you know, like there's, there's some stuff that's as simple, you know, that I, when I get done with the cocktail menu, there's some things that I have a checklist and I'm like, I need to make sure that, you know, if I have two gin cocktails on this list, I need to make sure that one has lemon and one has lime. Just you know what I mean? They can't bit. both have lemon. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, okay. Um, and you said you'd give me the link to that or the PDF yeah. and we'll put that in the show notes. Also during the break, we we're talking about maybe putting together like a checklist because I was like. I, I was, we were talking, I was like, I feel like I even, I'm a little bit lost. We covered a lot today. And if you want to maybe assign this episode to one of your managers and you want to, we can put together, we're gonna put together a checklist of kind of everything that we were talking about, things to consider. Uh, so when you assign this, this episode to one of your managers, you can also hand them a checklist to coincide say, are you considering these things? Um, just getting your people to think outside the box and, and giving them perspective of what other people are considering in the industry and the extreme that other people are taking it. So you can really up your game. I think is important, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have that, uh, that link or that PDF with a checklist kind of following the flow of today's conversation. So your, your managers can go side by side with that checklist in this episode. We'll also have uh, a link to that uh, practice or that, that exercise of the mixtape exercise. Anything else that I'm missing that we were mentioning uh, that we'll link back to? I don't, I, 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 I feel like that's, I feel like we covered it. I yeah. feel like we, I feel like we, I feel like we covered some good ground. Um, yeah. I think the most important thing is, it was funny. Uh, I was listening to the your interview with uh, my old colleague Chef Nick Giannis, and the question you ask about um, what do you uh, like? What's something you always ask in an interview? He said the same thing that I did, and I'm not sure if he stole that from me or not because I did it before I worked for him. But uh, you know, ask your uh, you always ask applicants like what bars or restaurants do they like in town right now? Um, I really love that question. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think it's it, I think the one one really useful kind of sidebar to you know assigning this out um, to to your bar managers is you know see what they like like to know what know where they're getting inspired already and you know and trying to find ways to to use that as another uh, kind of intellectual exercise to kind of break down what's what it is that they like that is and why it appeals to them and why that's working for them. What is the, 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 the narrative flow, uh, that, that is appealing to them. Then you can kind of speak that language a little bit. I like it. And one last thought, um, before we wrap up something, one extra nugget I want to get from you. And I hate to use the word trends because I'm a believer that you shouldn't follow trends. Uh, I mean, they can be, 
you can capitalize on them in the moment, but you shouldn't develop a whole concept around a trend because by the time that trend has lived its lifespan, like you're, you know, cutting the ribbon to open your doors, right? Yeah. That has changed so fast. For so sure. be mindful of them, but don't base businesses around mm-hmm. them is kind of where I'm coming from. But with that said, what are some of the, the trends um, that you see happening in the industry right now that, I mean, and this could be a whole nother episode, but just yeah. like drop like one or two on us like that we can easily adopt into our business. Uh, the, the thing that we've been talking about in, you know, the, the inner sanctum of the cocktail arati uh, over the last bunch of years is, uh, you know, this, this movement toward, um, simpler cocktails this movement towards like a democratization of cocktail, uh, principles, uh, you know, the, the crafty, the craft movement, um, you know, reaching out, uh, into, you know, Onyx bars where you would never have five, 10 years ago ever expected to see like a cocktail list. I think that's the, the biggest thing. Uh, that's the thing that's the, also kind of the most unknown quantity in terms of, you know, the power that that's going to have to shape, you know, all cocktail thinking pretty soon because as it grows and becomes more inclusive, um, we're going to see uh, more people finding more interesting ways to apply these kind of craft principles to their establishments. So I don't want to, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to say like low proof cocktails are going to be the thing. They're supposed to be the thing. Nobody really likes them. You know, Oh, Sherry, Sherry is the next big thing. I mean, people use Sherry in cocktails or whatever sometimes, but Sherry's never, I mean, it's not going to be like, there, there's no, I think we're like, I think we live in a post trend universe. I just, I mean, I, I just, I just do. I think, um, you know, we're rapidly recycling, uh, old ideas to the point that, you know, the, like the zero waste cocktail movement, like looks a whole lot like when we just all started using sour mix, like, you know, 50 years ago. Right. So like, I, I, I don't, I think that, um, I think that in some ways, uh, the cocktail world is getting smaller in terms of, you know, revolutionary trend ideas, but in terms of, um, the, the raw number of people and the raw talent and the possibilities for, like nuanced expressions. I think it's, what do you mean by nuanced expressions? uh, I mean like like the, uh, uh, seeing the ways that, you know, uh, cocktail, you know, craft cocktail culture could, you know, push into, you know, the neighborhood dive bar universe or could push into, you know, into, into one, into one individual establishment and watch and seeing what they, how, how they use some of these principles, um, to, you know, benefit their particular space. Gotcha. You know, whether it be, you know, as simple as, I just want to, I want to see what everyone's, all the like random dive bars, I want to see what they're frozen, what's in their frozen drink machines in another five years. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because they're still going to all have the frozen drink machine, but it's not going to be powdered sour mix in them, you know, for like a margarita. Like I, I believe that we're going to see like little things like that. More scratch. Getting, things getting a little more elevated in those places. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Man, Justin Elliott, again, thank you so much for coming back on the show a second time. And for uh, basically, I, the only the words that are coming into my me- my mind are just expanding our uh, scope of what's possible and the detail to pay attention to and the level we can take our cocktail game if we choose to take it to this level, right? Which we should try to up our game, right? Well, yeah, why not? I think right? so. Why not I try think, to be yeah. awesome? So awesome stuff. Um, Again, uh, how can we connect with you? I know that was in the previous episode, but if we want to connect uh, with you, if we have questions, what's the best yeah, way to connect? Yeah, uh, Instagram and Twitter, at jdanelliot, uh, two L's, two T's. Um, something like ages, SG, Wine and Spirits. Um, Facebook, Google. I, I won't have you call anybody out. We've already had you do that just like 20 episodes ago. But uh, again, this is episode 580. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 580 to get a summary of today's discussion. I'll link to the things that we said we would link to and to uh, the contact information for Justin Elliott. Justin Elliott, there is no question, my man. You are unstoppable. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. Well, there you go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thanks again to Justin Elliott for coming back on the show. Great stuff today. And I want to do more episodes like this. Justin was back on the show because the first time on the show, he clearly displayed a unique ability to develop and plan 
menu. So I wanted to tap into that. And going into the future, as I'm interviewing people, as am I de- as am I identifying uh, certain strengths and abilities, I want to go into that. And I think that's going to be part of the new vision for Restaurant Unstoppable, not just getting people on the show to share their stories and their their lessons learned from their mentors and their core values and their just hard knowledge. But once that hot, that hard knowledge does come up and we do identify areas of expertise, instead of getting more people in my network, I want to go deeper with the people that can make us better. I want to I want to harness those relationships. And this is just an example of what I'm talking about. So if there's any areas of conversation, topics you want to go deeper into, put them on my radar. So when I find that person that is strong in that place, I can go deeper and uh, really develop that, that relationship. Or I can search for that person, find out who the best is and get them on the show. So take advantage of this, guys. It could be something really freaking cool, uh, but only it only works if you, if you work with me and you let me know how I can best serve you. Uh, with that said, email me, Eric, at Restaurant Unstoppable. Find me on Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Instagram, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore. And those five-star reviews, keep those coming as well. They help so much. They help get us at the top of the rankings and all audio players. Sign up for my email list. That's where I keep you posted as far as where I am, uh, what's on my mind, what I'm challenged with anything, really. I kind of just throw it out there, and it would be cool for you to be a part of the conversation. If you reply to those emails, I listen, and I reply back, and we can get a conversation going. Uh, All right, guys, that's it for today. Again, thank you so much for hanging out and sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.